0: Welcome to Help from Future Self. Hey, what's going on, Archons? Welcome to another episode of Help from Future Self, the conversational Keyforge podcast by and for Keyforge friends. And I'm your friend, and I'm uh, back from my short reprieve. And I'm joined this week by my always true friend in this world of Keyforge and Keyforge podcasting. The great sc steel what's going on sydney
1: hey not much i'm really excited to talk today
0: yes yes today we decided to do something which is revisit a previous segment in honor of a previous person who did an arc on the health and future self podcast not just a guest spot but an actual arc um, <laughs> and sydney why don't you elaborate more on what we're going to be doing today
1: So we are going to be doing the segment, when is this card good? And we're going to be doing it with some very choice cards that we've specifically curated for today's episode.
0: Yes, indeed. And did you actually, were you a part of this or is this something your first time doing this?
1: This is my first time doing this. I'm really happy.
0: Okay. So this is something I exclusively did with Zach then.
1: Yep. Totally. Okay.
0: Okay. Cool. Well, yeah. So um, this is gonna be fun, and um, I don't know. Do you want to? Do you want to lead this parade?
1: Absolutely, totally. So the uh, the first card on our list is Tezmal. and that card is a two power disc creature from AOA and only AOA. It's elusive, and it uh, it reads: reap. Choose a house. Your opponent cannot choose that house as their active house on their next turn. So Blake, when do you think this card is good?
0: Okay. So first off. Um, cards when you say like you know only appeared in the set do you think that is because the the makers of the game decided this card's too powerful we can't reprint it again
1: or isn't powerful enough but that that's coming up later in the episode
0: all right fair enough um (laughs) so when is this card good obviously what it does is quite good so ways you can get multiple reaps out of it is what you're always going to be looking for um i guess So that being said, there's two really obvious choices for this. And um, I don't know. I feel like if I just tell you this, you're just going to, I feel like this conversation isn't as deep as the next card we're going into, which I feel is weird saying out loud.
1: (laughs) Well, this one actually has, there's some, I think this one has more breadth. There's like a lot more situations where Tezmal is good. Like it's, there, there are a lot of cards that if you see in a deck with Tesmol on a, archon list. You're actually excited to see.
0: Okay. So first off, the most common usage of Tesmol is with rocket boots, right? That's the one that everyone knows. Tesmol rocket boots get a couple reaps out of it. They can only choose one house. You basically make it so it's control of the week at that point.
1: Definitely. And And
0: you gain two ember.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Being able to reap with it twice is fantastic. Like that is a way that you're benefiting yourself so much in addition to hurting your opponent but that also takes Mm -hmm. like takes a lot of of brain power too because if you continue to use tesma as your strategy like you're choosing the house and so Mm -hmm. your your opponent like has to be in a situation where that house is is painful for you to choose because if you just choose a house that they were gonna like not choose you're you're they're fine anyway
0: yeah this is true um you go for the next card that goes so well, well with
1: it. I I think if you're going for like an overall control strategy, there are some houses or some cards in DIS that if you see on the list with Tesmal are are pretty pretty great. So um w- one of those cards obviously I think is Hysteria because if you are controlling their board in addition to um being able to control their houses, like very very con- like combo controlly. So you reap with Tesmal, you pick a house that they they can't choose. And then if you play hysteria, even though you're putting Tesmal back into your hand, not only can you play it again, because you're in house diss, but also you're able to like pick a house that they have a lot of on the board. So those cards can't immediately go back onto the board.
0: Right. Yeah, that's a that is a good one. So you're making it that uh, they cannot do what they want to do potentially. So that's that's definitely very very destructive. Um, very
1: similarly actually unlocked gateway even though unlocked gateway is omega you reap first and then kill everything
0: mm-hmm. yeah no i was thinking that too so anyway you can take care of creatures on their board from the house they're left with or that they're they're going to be operating under makes it uh, a lot more detrimental to the game plan that they want to do um, absolutely one that I, I think is the other really fun combo one is the brainstem antenna. I think those are yeah. the two is the one that that's the one that can really get out of hand because you can essentially lock them out. It's quite rare, I think, to see that combination, but it does exist.
1: Well, it's also like Logos in general in AOA was very combo-y. And so I think that being able to like um, do Logos or Mars was was kind of like this is. I don't know, best friends. I guess like Logos yeah. and Mars enabled Dis to do a lot of crazy things in AOA.
0: And then not to mention that um, particularly Logos obviously didn't have a lot of Ember control. So having Dis as its good friend made it that you got some of that uh, Ember control to help balance out a deck. For sure. Because that was obviously totally. one of the things that AOA was not the strongest on was Ember control.
1: Anyway, wasn't um, the strongest in a lot of things. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's true. Um, one that I had that I really liked was I'm thinking of something with Tesmol that you could create for yourself was that you use it and you say they can't call a house and then you actually would like to call this again and say they still can't use that house because by doing that you are creating a potential where maybe their hand is just full of that one house and if they you have some means where they can't actually clear your board properly with their own board they're mm-hmm. kind of in a bit of a lock situation so I also liked when is this card goes if you have the dis ambassador so it allowed you to not call Ooh. dis but still execute the game plan allow you to cycle a little bit so it means you could go into sanctum for a moment and then come back to dis sure. later and not to mention Sanctum also had cards that could potentially boost Tesmol's stickiness on the board. Thinking I of like Boutrams, it. Thinking of Chells with some taunt. So I, I really like the... Um, I think the Ambassadors are the greatest part of Sanctum in AoA str- strictly because it allowed that interesting interactions. Like you could play a card or you could use a card. Like it gave a lot of flexibility. They weren't too powerful being a one-powered creature. Right but they they gave you that interesting aspect of being able to house cheat and i think like that was the precursor to when we saw exchange officers in a way because it kind of created the similar element but within sanctum so I, i'm a really big fan of the ambassadors if you can find a way to make them stay on the board they can really help you um, utilize a i think a strong sanctum like one of the like i kind of feel that maybe AOA sanctum is the strongest sanctum out of all the sets. So far. That's kind of hey, my hey. feeling.
1: I, I think that it really had a lot of the... Well, I, I in this case, like what you described with like Sanctum and Disc together really, really made for a good combo because they kind of complemented each other in ways that some of the other houses didn't in AOA. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I agree with you that Sanctum really like flourished in AOA. Mm-hmm. But I I kind of want to like slightly point out a little bit of the obvious, but it's, it's weird to say, but two Tesmals, like a Tesmal, would complement a Tesmal. obviously like if you have two of them on the board it's better than rocket like it's it's easier to then have them more consistently in your hand or or on the board in general and so like it's it's not all cards would benefit by having duplicates of itself in your deck but this is one of those cards that would like extraordinarily benefit
0: yeah most definitely So do you have any other things where you feel Tesmal is really good? And I wonder if Zach's like, you missed this obvious thing. How
1: could you? He probably, he's played, he's played his, his Tesi decks like a million times. He's going to message us the second he hears this and be like, so these are the things that Tesmol is also good for. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we can, we can, if he does listeners, we will update you with what those things are.
0: Mm -hmm. All right. So that's going to do it for our Tesmal segment. And what is the second card?
1: I love this one. So the second card for when is this card good is NARP because NARP was um, one of the the learning processes that uh, they came up with. And so we, we really wanted to dig deep to find out when when we could find a good time for NARP.
0: Yes, and um, by they, we mean Call of Discovery, because we could decide to use Zach's segment that he came up with and talk about two cards that are pretty much staples within discussions they would have on the podcast. Absolutely. a little bit of an homage episode, so to speak.
1: (laughs) We love you, Zach and Ed, both of you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Um, so let's get into NARP, because NARP, I, I kind of like how NARP is the perennial whipping boy for why <laughs> World's Collide Brobnar is bad. Like like if you say that set is, that house in that set is bad, NARP is almost the next word out of people's mouths most of the time.
1: I think it's so funny. So when uh, doing my research, because, you know, kind of had to dig a, a little bit deeper for NARP than I did for Tesmal, Like, when you go onto Decks of Keyforge, it has, like, it rates synergies and anti-synergies. And, like, looking at NARP on Decks of Keyforge, it it doesn't have a synergy. It only has anti-synergy.
0: <laughs> That's so funny. I mean, for me, I think NARP does have a place with within the decks. I think more than one NARP you you were definitely disappointed. But I think one NARP is is not the worst thing because it does provide some some interesting synergies within house and then within set as well in different ways. So why don't you lead off with one that you think is is a when is this sure. card
1: So I think there there's kind of a, a small obvious one where uh so NARP is is a beefy creature. It's eight power. And so if you have even if you do have more than one, um, if you have Might Makes Right in your deck, which is the uh, key cheat that says, play, you may sacrifice any number of creatures with total power of 25 or more if you do forge a key at no cost. And so eight is like a huge portion of 25. And on top of that, a way that you could benefit your deck without having multiple NARPs is if you have a mega NARP. So you get the NARP's brew, And that comes with the mega NARP. So your NARP is now 10 power, which is like a lot of your might makes right right there.
0: Uh, Might makes right isn't in the set.
1: Yeah, it is. It's an AOA. Oh no, it's an AOA. (gasps) Yep. Oh no. (laughs) Well, that makes me very sad. So if you have a legacy might makes right (laughs) in your deck with your mega NARP, I want your deck. Let me know reach
0: out to me um yeah i mean similarly with what in that vein the flex is one where you're utilizing basically the same points and you're gaining (laughs) ever so i i really like um that one with it when i see a narp and i see a flex i'm like okay at least there's a use i can get out of it right away and um I think that's, that's one that is the most obvious. Another one, if you're using NARP for some ember control, there is the power of fire, which works really nicely because you sacrifice a friendly creature. If you do, each player loses half of their ember rounding down gain one chain. So I just think that is one of the bigger creatures you could use. And then you also get it off the board if it's no longer positioned in a way where you're utilizing cards that like to fight.
1: Absolutely. I completely agree.
0: That's one really good way I think that it can be used.
1: There's also great like within house. Like that makes, mm-hmm. the the fact that these cards can come together, you can look at the same house and make sure that like your Brabnar house actually has something that you can <laughs> like put together. Um, but one of the ones that I found outside of house, which I think actually works kind of well, is when you do have a Quixel Stone in your deck, NARP is really hard to kill. And so you put one NARP art there and you don't need neighbors because you're just going to reap with NARP because NARP itself can reap. And then if you keep NARP out there and um, the, you just you keep reaping, and then you don't put anything else out there because its neighbors can't reap. So your opponent doesn't get many out there. And if for any reason they're trying to kill Narp because they want to stop you from reaping, or whatever else you're gonna do, um, let's say you have some of those other Brabnarp cards in your deck, and they want to make sure you can't achieve those, um, it's just it's a it's a good way to make use of a Quixelstone in in ways you might not otherwise.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I would have never thought of narping my way to victory with Stone, but uh, I I like it (laughs) Um, the other one I was thinking is um, you have Tribute and Six emperor. it's a perfect combo for that because of the fact that it is most likely going to be one of the larger creatures on the board and again if it's in a position that is causing you to need to get rid of it it's a way of getting rid of your own creature and getting some ember that you've captured on it at the same time so it's a good candidate for that Tribute Six emperor. Absolutely. Okay, now I, I have one last use of NARF, which I'm really thinking outside the box with this one. I love it. So you're playing your deck with NARP and you're going against another different set. So this is getting really niche here, but it's, I think it's good is your opponent is playing Dark Tidings. <laughs> they decided to play a Whirlpool. At the end of each player's turn, that player gives control of the creature on their right flank to their opponent and moves it to the player's left flank.
1: That's hilarious. I love it. So
0: you give them a NARP and now they're stuck with a creature that they can't use and because there's no Robnar in, in that set. And it potentially makes it so that they can do nothing at that moment. That's amazing. So it's going to stop the creature next to it from doing anything and that's yeah, so f- that, that's- that also
1: works with exile, which is in Worlds Collide.
0: Oh yes, yes, you're right. It is a good exile card to uh, to exile it and then stop your opponent if they have a really good maybe reap creature
1: yeah. um,
0: on either end, like some Star Alliance stuff, you can make it so it's kind of stuck then.
1: Totally, absolutely.
0: So, um, I think that's going to conclude all the things we can use mar- NARP for. So. <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I wish there were a ton more. And if you can think of any, let us know. But there's there's not that many times you are excited to see a NARP. But some of these cards, like when you open a deck and you see a NARP, let's say you have three NARPs, some of these cards will be more, more helpful in your deck than others.
0: You know what's the best way to play uh, three NARPs?
1: Not Beside to play each it. other.
0: <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they can do nothing <laughs> the true nugget of the Keyforge battle line
1: oh my god love it no well three narps what is that math wait for it no that's not even that's well i guess i guess with, that's not um, even the
0: might makes right that's yeah. not inside is that what you mean
1: yeah that was, that was <laughs> yes exactly <laughs>
0: You really want the Might Makes Right with Nar, don't you? <laughs> I Honestly, know, right? not, not having Might Makes Right in World's Clyde makes zero sense, actually.
1: Oh, yes. Completely. Like, I, it I totally agree. would have literally agree.
0: taken Brobnar to another level of greatness because of the dinos and everything, which must be the reason why.
1: Well, not only would it have taken it to another level of greatness, but even though, like, because Brobnar was less than stellar, like, Might Makes Right sacrifices your creatures. So at least they're good for something outside of what they would otherwise already do.
0: Yep, it's true. So of course we cannot end an episode without our titular segment, which we call Help, Help from, future, from self. future Self. Sydney, I understand you have a segment to enlighten us with this week.
1: Yes. So I was thinking so much about the Sealed Alliance that I played. And I think it's this is this is kind of a teensy bit of a two-parter. Like the the easy gimme is that I really hadn't been able to think about it this much before I played it because like, just because I I had literally never played it, the kinds of things that you can think about, even if you're like given tips or tricks before you play the, the like consequences of those or the like implementation of those don't come into your head and don't really feel real until you've played it. And so I guess my, my first kind of, teeny one is don't knock it till you try it but my my real help from future self is the whole sideboarding idea with sealed alliance where you can switch in and out your your different houses between rounds like that is something that from my experience both hearing people talk about kfc but also playing it people just don't do very much. And I think it makes it so that it's so much like it's okay to have a subpar first round. Because even even in an official event where it's double elimination, you still have a second try. And one, like being able to feel out your deck and know that like, even if you picked the best possible combination of three, like the option to change it, you can know even better what your deck is lacking. And that also in my future might benefit me with the the stress of the beginning, picking the three houses. I can just go with one house, or sorry, I can just go with one deck. I can go with a single deck, learn what it needs from the first game, whether I win or lose, and then feel more confident switching out the houses. And I can feel more confident picking a single deck at the beginning, knowing that I can switch it out later. Like, I was too afraid to use the sideboards because I thought it would add even more stress. But, like, I also didn't really feel like the other houses would have what the deck lacked. But I think doing that might give me a leg up in the future. And, and not many people do that.
0: You know what? That's a... I, I really like that, actually, from multiple levels. Like, my brain started going off as you were speaking, um, just thinking of of really interesting ways to to do that. Like, my my first thought is, I actually wish that sealed alliance was best of three, so you could actually, in between rounds, be like, "Oh, their deck had this. Implement I want to swap that. this house in." Yes, you could actually really take take a utilization of the swapping. And I think a more interesting way of maybe starting your process since you do have half an hour to build your deck is to actually bring a notebook i know i remember very clearly being at nova at the this is like the perfect time to pull this story being at nova at the the grand championships uh where i met zach in person for the first time (laughs) and the only time actually and um he had this notebook, and he was diligently taking notes on his decks as he was as he was thinking about like what he was going to do, and I think that process of as you go is separate your six houses into their quote unquote pods if they've been now. Uh, deemed by Ghost Galaxy, and then writing, what does this pod do? What does it excel at? And then what does it lack? Strength and weakness almost of each pod. And then this way, if you choose to sideboard, you know, okay, I want to do these three, but then now you have of like, okay, this was really lacking. Oh, perfect. This one provides that. And then you can then have kind of an analysis of each one and then refer to that to decide how you want to bring things in at any given time.
1: That's a great idea. Like one of the reasons I, I actually really like that is because if you have two, like multiple overlapping houses, the houses, like looking at them on their own is actually beneficial because you might combo well with the house that looks worse. So like if you pick one based on your notes, but then you're you're realizing you need more of something else, you can look at your notes and see like, oh, that has what the combo part of it that I need, not just like the the critical aspect of my deck like if if I'm not like lacking anything in particular like control of any kind or or amber generation or whatever but it would combo better with something I already have then overlapping houses might be a great way like taking notes would help differentiate them if you're thinking about switching them in in the future
0: yeah and, and from my experience I found that when you're looking at everything as a whole it's um it's gonna be a lot more complicated you know what I mean? Like you're, you're looking at all the different things and, and you just see it as, as one deck and then deck A and deck B. And so there, and the way we were like almost conditioned to look at Key Forge, it's like, ah, this is like too much or like, I, I can't figure out what I want to take out. Whereas if you just make everything its own thing and then bring it together at the end, like almost trick yourself to not know what was what. Right. And then you like, OK, so this is the best house because this provides this what I want to achieve. This provides this what I want to achieve. Then, boom, you like kind of check all the boxes.
1: I love it. That's great.
0: So, yeah, that's that's a really good one. And I, I like it because it, uh, it it was so future self-helping that it, it opened up my <laughs> own mind.
1: <laughs> I love it. I can't wait till the day that you and I can play keyboards together. Just like in person, have these conversations, sit down, even if it's like a sealed Alliance game and we can chat about this kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. I I think that'd be fun. We should definitely do that. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Of course, you can uh, find us on our discord. I think that's just the best way to reach out to us now. We're we're pretty involved there, both Sydney and I, well, Sydney more so than me, but I see everything. Um, (laughs) I just choose not to respond because I'm weird like that. And, um, (laughs) Uh, if you want to hit up Sydney on the old TCO, she's SC Steel, as always. You and, bet. And uh, anything else you want to close out with, Sydney?
1: No. I'm just – I'm excited that um, – so I just bought my, my badge to Gen Con. I don't know if anybody else listening uh, goes to Gen Con, but it's uh, – the badges just became available, and that's a place that um, uh, I think – um Ghost Galaxy announced that they're they're gonna have a presence there of some kind, so that's gonna be kinda cool.
0: Yeah, that is uh that is gonna be cool. All right folks, well uh until next time stay fortunate.